Okay, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the One Before I Die podcast, episode 158 on tap for you today. We are back on the winning train, finally. The Buffalo Bills have gotten a win after two straight losses. We have a snowstorm. We get out of Buffalo and we play in Detroit and, uh, you know, end up getting a W in Detroit against the Cleveland Browns. So the Bills finally back on track. The Sabres, on the other hand, continue to struggle before we get into all that and we, you know, break down the Sabres, the Bills, the crazy snowstorm Buffalo, everything that's been going on here. Um, let's bring in Ethan. Uh, Ethan, how you doing over there in Chicago? Finally back on the on the win, win column for the Bills, at least. Uh, how you feeling today? Also going full, I see, as I'm looking over at you now, going full button up on that polo, I see. <laughs> uh, top button. button. <laughs> Got to keep it classy. <laughs> But finally feels good to get in the win column, get the monkey off my back. We were on a, what, 10-game losing streak going into yesterday. Sabres couldn't get it done once this week, so the Bills had to come through or else we would have had a pretty sad Thanksgiving, I think. So finally feels good to get that uh, out of the way and kind of look forward a little bit. It was <laughs> it was gloom and doom for a good portion of the, the day yesterday, as I'm sure most Bills fans felt the same way with how that game started. But a win is a win, and it's good to be back in the W column. It is indeed. Um, yeah, crazy things kind of coming out this week, right, with the with the Buffalo snowstorm. Uh, the craziest thing about it, actually, to me, I think, is that – so I'm back up in Rochester now. Rochester, we haven't gotten a, a lick of snow. You look outside the past couple of days, there's not nothing there. It's crazy how it's just been contained in Buffalo. There's what they got like six feet over there. It's literally an hour and a half west, um, and somehow over here where I am right now, it's just nothing, no snow or, or anything. But obviously, the big story there was you know, ton of snow came in. the The stadium was absolutely covered, regardless if there was a dome or not. You know, transportation to the stadium for fans, for players, for coaches was not going to be able to happen. People are getting shoveled out of their houses. Uh, fans around the community shoveling players out of their houses just to get them, you know, on into cars and into the airport. And the bills were able to make it to the airport and get to Detroit. So, you know, bills will be playing in Detroit twice within five days, obviously going back there for the Thanksgiving uh, day game against the lions, um, which I also thought was interesting how they came back yesterday after the game and didn't just stay in Detroit, which I guess they have to come back regroup and, and practice and everything. But I thought it was kind of weird how they didn't just stay in Detroit and maybe figure out a way to practice there. Um, but yeah, they got acclimated there and, and, you know, as you said, it was, you know, boomer bust kind of throughout that whole game. It was, it, it was off to a rough start and finally got together, but I guess we'll get right into that game, obviously. And, and the bills do beat the Browns 31 to 23, I believe was the final score. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I feel like there's still a lot of questions coming out of this game, right? Like, I mean, it, all that matters is they got the win. They got the W. You're back in the W column. Like, that's what we talk about all year. Uh, you know, maybe at times at the beginning of the year, we we're getting a little cocky and we were getting upset when we didn't win in certain ways. And I think, uh, you know, just like it did last year, this year came around again and kind of humbled us and, and realized you just have to get the win whatever way you can. But at the same time, you know, the, the Bills, they have high expectations and they've been having high expectations. And there's still, I think, some question marks coming out of this game. Um, but, I, but, I mean – I don't know. I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts? Like, the, the first half, obviously not good. Like, it, like if you look at it, like, I don't think Allen played bad, but at the same time, he didn't even throw for 200 yards. He only had one touchdown. We ran the ball on the second half. Like, he didn't make any mistakes, but, you know, 
it was like almost like playing not to lose as, as opposed to playing to win with the especially the way that he usually plays if you're playing a better opponent maybe it goes a different way you get the win that's all that matters but like what were your takeaways here just like overall um a- after watching this game yeah i mean what six field goals that's a lot that's a lot of field goals to <laughs> to to put together there you didn't find the uh back of the end zone a lot i know 31 points is 31 points no matter how you want to cut it so 31 points is going to win you a lot of football games but i mean you're right it wasn't it wasn't a pretty game it wasn't a textbook josh allen game like we're accustomed to seeing especially at the beginning of the year started out real slow what three punts in the first three drives we didn't get a first down felt like forever there's a point i think where we had uh, or the Browns had as many plays ran as we did yards. So it was, it was, or sorry, as many first downs as we had yards. So I mean, it was a, it was a total sluggish start. I mean, it looked like we didn't practice all week because we didn't. I think, I think there is something to say about that. I mean, we what practiced twice all week, I think, and one of them was a walkthrough. There was a sickness that broke out where they they couldn't practice, and you got the snow where they had to do the Zoom practice. So yeah, it looked you, like yeah. So little... do you think? Do you think I was going to ask about that? Like, how much of a factor do you think this whole, you know, snow thing comes into play? The the sickness, whatever it was, like, how much do you think yeah. that actually comes into play here? And do you think they're like mentally drained, physically drained going into this game? I don't know. Supposed if... to be a home game, and now you're going to Detroit. Like, how much do you read into this? And like, you know what I mean? I think it plays a big factor when you compound when you compound all of that into effect, right? You, you now have to travel. You have this massive snowstorm. You have to worry about getting out of your house. You weren't practicing on Wednesday before the snow even hit because there was a sickness going around. Um, so you're you're just not you're not getting the reps. You're not preparing as a team for your opponent that's coming up. And then you have to get on a plane and kind of get into that mindset, right? And they left Saturday evening. So you you basically land, you sleep over, and now you got to go play a football game. So it, it was not an easy sequence of event, events. You got a team that is coming in here that's a run-heavy offense, and we saw that in the first first half, right? They were kind of taking it to us, running the ball at will. Oh, but I thought they were too, but the craziest part about that game, Chubb had 13 yards rushing in the first half. Really, it seems that seems strange because it just felt like we couldn't get a stop all, you know, all all first half. We got lucky with a fumble that kind of maybe slowed things down a little bit. But they were they they were kind of doing whatever they wanted. I mean, they were throwing the ball well. It seemed like yeah, they, they were, were ripping off runs. But and then you you take, sorry, looking at these injuries, Tremaine Edmonds is. <laughs> Losing him is is massive because I mean outside of Milano you have no other linebackers that can cover, and so you 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 throw out I think we were throwing out uh, Dodson we were throwing out the rookie uh, what's his name Bernard he he Bern- didn't really play though yeah he was out there a decent amount and he it didn't matter who was out there we were getting torched up the middle uh, by the tight ends and, and and so it was just it was just a terrible sequence of events. Allen definitely didn't look himself in the first half. And I know that he put that nice drive together to close it out, which was a miracle that we're le- leading at halftime. Finally throwing a, a football at Stefan Diggs, which was also str- super strange. That it took that long to even get him involved, but it's, it's a win. And I think what is encouraging is the fact that we figured it out in the second half. The defense came up with some big stops 
the defense also got torched on the outside. I mean, it was probably one of the worst cornerback performances I've seen in a while from this Bills defense. It, these receivers were just dominating them, and Brissett, Brissett's not a good quarterback, right? And he was he was kind of just throwing balls, jump jump balls, 50-50 balls. It, these corners cannot win a 50-50 ball. They are getting out physical every time. And yeah. <laughs> hopefully Trey White comes back sometime soon here because this the, these DBs need a little jump start. Poyer coming back was huge. I mean, he was the only one I thought that played somewhat decent in the first quarter on this whole Bills team. But outside of him, this this secondary is looking mighty shaky. Yeah, well, but, it's, it's weird because, like, like, I mean, if we're just talking about the secondary specifically, Dane Jackson, uh, Benford, these guys will have good coverage throughout the entire play, and then the ball will g- – get thrown to their guy that they're covering. And like you said, they can't win a 50-50 battle, but one, they, they don't really turn their head around or they can't make a play on the ball once it gets there. Like, they'll be on yeah, the Yeah, it seems like they have alligator arms. It's like crazy. Like, they'll be like, it'll be like good coverage and then somehow the guy makes the catch every time. But just back to like the injury thing real quick and then I had some something else to say, but it, like, this is kind of what I was alluding to last week and why I was like basically saying the reason I'm a little bit nervous for the team is it has nothing to do with the actual team. It's with the injuries is because Poyer comes back and he's immediately a difference maker. Like you, you can tell the yeah. difference between him, Jaquan Johnson, uh, not Hamlet, Cam Hamlet's Lewis. playing for Hyde, but Cam Lewis, like the guys that were filling in for him, like it, like they had some good plays here or there. They played, you know, okay. They, they, they held their own for some of the parts because our defense is, you know, decent at its base, but, Poyer's an all-pro for a reason. He comes back, and he's an immediate difference maker. We're still missing three to four difference makers on defense. Hyde, White, Greg Rousseau, like, sneaky guy injured a couple of weeks ago that we don't really talk about, where he had, like, five, six sacks this year, which, by the way, he was, like, my breakout player of the year. Like, he was having a great year this year as well. He's out. And then Tremaine Edmonds, we obviously hit on last year's, uh, last episode. But, like, it's, like, these injuries, it's, like, more than just one guy that are, like, truly, truly difference makers. And it's, like... Poyer coming back and the way he played, and I know the defense overall, like, I honestly don't think they played terrible. They left, like, two really bad touchdowns at the end, which made it, like, a little bit worse. And in the first half, you, like like you said, they were – they the Browns kind of almost screwed themselves. Like, they were moving the ball at will. They fumbled. Like, it seemed like they should have had way more points. But, like, Poyer coming back, it, it just showed, like, how much of a jolt, like, and how much of a difference it really is from first string to second string. Like, we like to harp on a lot with the Bills. Like, I feel like a lot of time we're like, oh, like, our second stringers could take, like – you know, is still the best defense in the AFC East or something. It's like, like, just it's just not there yet. Like, there's just so many difference makers missing on this defense, which is like trouble for the long term. Um, and, and I just really think it showed through with Poyer. Like, I, like, I haven't seen Hyde play in so long where it's like almost like we for, we like forget he's part of the team and like forget like how good he really is. And like, I just think that that we miss that so much. Um, the other thing I was gonna say real quick is. Yeah, Chubb. I mean, it, and and it was weird because like I, I like you, like they were moving the ball a lot. I think it was mainly passing because I mean, Amari Cooper went eight for one hundred thirteen, two touchdowns. Uh, Peoples Jones had a touchdown, sixty one yards. Uh, and the first half they were they were moving the ball a lot. I think Chubb's mainly came from like those screen passes because he literally had. I'm yeah, looking at the stats right, right now. Were passes. Yeah. Yeah, he had nineteen yards rushing total, which is just crazy. I mean, I know the second half they slowed down and and we were able to pick it up, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They, look, you get the win. It, I, 
and I'm still not like, I guess I'm going to do like a little improv to short term, long term here because I'm still not worried from a long term perspective. I still have all the faith in Josh Allen, but from a short term perspective, like it, I would be lying if I didn't say that, like with my gut after watching that game, like it was very frustrating to watch Josh Allen play football, even in the second half when they started to get it going a little bit more, it's because they were mainly running the ball and we, we all of a sudden were running it down their throats. Like that's not how we're going to be able to win games down the line. He is no, but, guessing but, himself. He he he's he doesn't look confident. And again, the long term, I'm I'm okay that I, I have faith that he'll be back. But you can tell that these past three game this past three game stretch, starting in the second half against the Packers, where he's just throwing interceptions willy nilly, you can tell it's in his head, man. And and I know Gabe Davis is dropping balls, which we can talk about him too. He he's got the yips, but he's pump fake and like heavy. He he doesn't seem you know confident, and and maybe that's better for him that he's going to the checkdown again and. He's playing a little bit smarter, but like I need an unhinged Josh Allen come playoff time. And I need a Josh Allen agent of chaos. Like we've talked about it all the time. And there's a difference between a, a bad decision agent of chaos, Josh Allen, and just like an absolute on tear Josh Allen that we need to make a Super Bowl run. And that guy, that's not in his mindset right now. He's not in the mindset of playing that unhinged way where, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. Like he's just not back to that level yet. And that's scary for the long term, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I'm confident he'll get back there. I just think we need we need him to have one a game to kind of break out. It seems like and he's, that, he's and a that breakup. Actually, and that's a breakout game away. Yeah, and and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but that was kind of leading me into this Thursday game. Is like it, it is like this is the game where it's again we're we haven't been on primetime in a while, right? This is back on a primetime national stage Thanksgiving Day football where everybody's been kind of down on the Bills. They've been down on Allen. Oh, you know, you lose here. He's throwing with interceptions. You know, he's dropped out of the MVP conversation. Like, this is a perfect time and a perfect opportunity for Josh Allen to, ju- to just put on one of these extravagant performances again and, and show people that he's still got it, right? It, show people like me where I'm, you know, I'm not doubting him, but I'm just annoyed with not seeing the way that he usually is. Like, it's a, it's a perfect opportunity for him to really bounce back. And not that I really care about the public perception, but for me personally, like I need to see something. No, I agree. I just want to comment on the what you we talked about the run game because that really carried us in the second half. Singletary with another rushing touchdown. Uh, I think James Cook did he rush for over a hundred yards? No, they both were like around eighty. Uh, yeah, sing, they both ran for eighty-six yards. Yeah, well, I mean, two guys over eighty yards. That's that's a lot. I mean, when's the last time the Buffalo Bills had two running backs rush for over eighty yards? That's that's crazy. The thing, the thing that I want to say is, I, I, I think that's encouraging, um, that we can finally get I, some sort of semblance yeah. of a run game going. I mean, I understand that you want to see Josh be the gunslinger that we know that this offense has to be to win football games, but to add that dynamic, and it, it's nice to see Dorsey not pushing the envelope. Right, we hounded him in the Minnesota game for not running the football in a few different situations, right? That he was, he kept forcing it, forcing it. It seems like he was forcing these play calls. The Browns are terrible on a, on a run defense perspective. I think they're the worst in the league as far as how many uh, yards per rush they give up. And we just exploited that. It's, it's taking what the defense gives you. It's being adaptable. This is something that Dave was great at um, and, and, and exploiting their weak, this is right and it's not pushing the envelope not trying to fit the narrative not putting josh in a situation where he has to do it himself if they're gonna let you rip off six seven yards of carry keep taking it all day long and yeah. I, I think we found success on the ground we won the way that that 
the Browns were letting us win. I mean, I think it was clear and obvious that the Browns weren't going to let Josh run. He didn't really have a lot of opportunity to scramble in this game. No, it's, he, had, he had seven yards rushing. The only thing I was going to say is I don't know how much I want to like look into this you know dominant second-half run performance by the Bills. You just said how the Browns are the worst team against the run. It was kind of the end of the game. We were up by like two scores. Like Of course, we're just going to run the ball down the throat. They're not really trying. Like they're, That Browns seems kind of a clown show right now. I just don't know how if we're running the ball that effective you know, down the line. I, I, I just don't know. The other thing about the run game, is can we get night? Uh, and and again, this is like the wrong time to say it because we just went over how Cook and Singletary are both over eighty yards. But it, why do we trade for Naeem Hines, man? Like, can we get him on yeah. the offense other than special teams? This guy is explosive for for one on special teams. Like, like if that's saying something to begin with, like him, like the returns for the kick and the punt, like you can tell he's got he's got juice. He's ready to like unload and. I just, I just, I think he's a very valuable guy out of the backfield on the offense. Like I would get him in there for more snaps. We're using him for a lead block role right now. It seems like when he's out there, you know, uh, for snaps on the offense. And then and I don't want to hear the excuse from McDermott and Dorsey that he's only been there for a few weeks. You got guys from the trade deadline, like Jeff Wilson, who's gone over to the dolphins and has been unbelievable on his first start there. Like, so, so I don't want to hear that excuse. And, and again, it's a, it's a bad place for me to really be arguing that considering the way the running backs played this past week, but it goes to my point. No, but I, it, really I think know, it goes like, above that because there's like that, that two point conversion that we ran to McKenzie. That was a straight up personnel decision where I think if that went to Hines, that would have been, a, he would have got in, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. There, there's plays where you can, you can throw them in the slot, right? You can kind yeah. of use them as a hybrid receiver where I, I don't understand why we're not using them like that. Yeah, and then and then I mean that's just the other thing to like bring up. Speaking of that, like Mackenzie Davis, like like man, man, it's really getting to the point where Diggs is the only reliable skill guy. Well, it was nice to see Knox had a, his first breakout game of the season. He had seven catches yeah. for I think over seventy yards. Yeah, so I, I just something in my gut is is the only guy I can really trust right now is Diggs, and it's not good. And you can't have that going forward. Yeah, I mean, I completely forgot yesterday until I was like, because I felt the same way. I'm like, man, there's. After Davis did have like some nice catches during the game, but I mean he had even even the drop. It's just like so weird, like him and Knox, dude. Like every time they catch the ball, like it, it's and they do the slow mo replay, like they double clutch it every time. It's never a clean catch. Yeah, it is. It is sketchy, but I I had to remind myself that Jamison Crowder is like on this team, and is he coming back? Is he done for the year? Like I don't. That I mean, was supposed like, to be like we like broke his ankle, replace, right? We, yeah, I I think so, but we we signed him to replace Beasley, right? Beasley is the one guy that I think we miss more than anybody on this offense right now. Because when when we were in these slumps, right, when things weren't going well, it seemed like he was he was kind of the slump buster, where he would always be yeah. open. You check it down to Bees, and he'd be good for six or seven. He's kind of he was kind of jumpstart this offense, and unless well, Diggs is that, doing it, nobody no, there's no other option. Of, even the, just that type of player that Beasley was, because. I, like, I don't know, Beasley might, specifically him, might be washed, because I know he did go to Tampa, and, like, he was just, like, kind of, like, done with it. Like, he got cut after one game. Like, but that type of player is what we missed. We kind of we kind of swung and missed at replacing that guy. Maybe Crowder would have been that guy if he didn't get hurt, but... Uh, but he I wasn't thought, doing that before he got hurt. Right, and I thought you were going to say, I forgot McKenzie was on the team, because I kind of forgot McKenzie was on the team during that game on Sunday as well, and he was out there, and obviously he had the two-point try, but that was only, I was like, oh, crap, I forgot this guy was even even here. So, I don't yeah, know. I so- mean, it sounds like I mean not to burst your bubble, but it sounds like OBJ is 
not going to Buffalo either. Yeah, it looks like he's gonna go to the Cowboys. So I mean, it, we kind of we kind of have what we have at this point. Yeah, and it just comes to, down to guys stepping up. Um, the going back to Gabe Davis, I mean, having him on the hands team at the end was maybe the dumbest decision oh. I've ever seen McDermott make. And the guy, the guy could barely catch a football all day, and then you throw him on the hands team in a situation where basically you can seal the game. And so, yeah, <laughs> if, if, yeah and if, it's if, if that play and goes. It, any, well, it's also it's also tough when like us as fans are mad that our wide receiver two is on the hands team, <laughs> right? Like, who else are you gonna put out there, right? It's basically like he, him or Diggs, right? Like, like we're like we're all collectively on Twitter, like, why is Gabe Davis on the hands team? And then it's like, you know, the say there's a fan that has no idea what football is, looks up Gabe Davis, and he's number two as a wide receiver on the depth chart. It's like, oh, would yeah. you want him there? <laughs> yeah, I um, mean, the guy that's paid to catch footballs. Yeah, so. I don't know. Well, well yeah, it's tough, but and I what mean, happened to Shakir? Like, are, I, he he's out there, but I don't. It's it's weird. I mean, when he got the ball, he looks good, right? Yeah. And it's just like he's not getting thrown the football. Is he not getting open? Or are they not running plays for him? It's 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 very strange. And maybe and maybe and you would what, think, like, and you'd think that with Crowder going down, with McKenzie's struggles, with Davis's struggles, like you'd think he would have an opportunity to step up. And and I. I think it's just they're not going to it. Like I don't think it's his fault. I just think they're not running plays to him. Yeah, it's 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 extremely weird. And then the only the only thing I can think of is that they were dedicated to the run game because I don't how many passes did Josh throw uh, on Sunday? He threw. He was eighteen for twenty seven, hundred ninety seven yards, one touchdown. And so I mean, he threw the ball eighteen times or twenty seven. Times. Twenty twenty seven times. Sorry, he eighteen completions. You like to think that at least some of those can go to Shakir, but it'll be interesting to see down the stretch. I mean, looking, let's. I mean, I think we can move on from this game, right? I don't know if you had anything else to say, but oh, no. I, I did want to say, I almost nailed the score prediction again. I think I didn't. I say, I think I said twenty-eight seventeen. Um, I think I said like twenty-one fourteen or twenty-one seventeen. I think you might have been cl- pretty close to the score that it was. Yeah, I just remember. I remember like thinking if the if we didn't give up that last touchdown that I think I would have been pretty close. But anyway, um moving on to Detroit. Another short week here. I think the Bills are Detroit's only Detroit's no slouch either. Detroit's no slouch. I think they just won three in a row. They did. Um, and they just beat the Giants. They just, they just beat the at, Giants in New Jersey. At MetLife. Um but yeah, that yeah, Giant or or Lions no slouch. Uh, I'm just going to reiterate what I kind of already alluded to at the beginning of the podcast. I think this is a po- a prime game for not just Josh Allen, but the Bills team as as a whole. Their their defense too. Like it, it's just a great game to to really show the national spotlight again that we're still a Super Bowl contender. Like I understand we're going through this little midseason slump. It, you know. This past few games haven't been, you know, kind of Bills fans. We haven't been happy about the way they've went. We get the W, though, in Cleveland. That's all that matters. I, I really think we're primed here to just have a bounce back, you know, vintage Josh Allen Thanksgiving game. He's, play, he's played on Thanksgiving, what, twice in his career now? This will be his third time. He's gone off both times, I believe, on Thanksgiving. And 
I, I think it's time to put the league on notice again that we're still here. It's not just the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs just beat the Chargers again on Sunday Night Football in a classic, you know, Mahomes gets the ball at two minutes left and everybody's all over the Chiefs again. We're here on Thanksgiving to to show the league that we're still here. And, and, and this is no slight against the Detroit Lions. I just said they're on a three-game heater. I think the Detroit Lions are actually a pretty improved football team. I love DeAndre Swift. That they got their number one draft pick playing DN who had an interception this past week. I think he's having a pretty solid season. But like I'm ready to like I just have that feeling here that we're like primed to like kind of put this league back on notice and let them know that we're still we're still a top team in this league. We're still a top dog and and we're still here. So I'm not and that, I'm, that's not even mean like I'm not even expecting maybe like a blowout. I'm just I'm just expecting a well, you know, a good football game here. Not where not no head scratchers from Bills fans. I'm, I'm expecting Josh Allen to play solid, the defense to play great. Maybe the Lions get a few plays here and there, but I, I'm expecting a really bounce back game to get this fan base like back on track and not wanting to blow their brains out for like whatever reason it is because we've had you know a few bad games in a row. So that's kind of where I'm at with this. Yeah, game. it's, it's like a, a get back to form game. Yeah, right. And, and, and the reason why I think it's so right is it's because it's it is back on that national spotlight, which I think matters in this instance. Yeah, I agree, and and we know how we've traditionally played on Thanksgiving, right? The last two games. We've, I think, well, I guess last last Thanksgiving, what we blew out the Saints mm-hmm. playing against a backup. That was kind of a nothing game. And then the time before, we uh, beat the Cowboys when we were underdogs. I and mean, that was an electric game. That was a classic, like you know that that's that's a game that most Bills fans will remember going back. Right, it's like remember the time we beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving with Josh Allen. Like everybody knows that game. Yeah. And so it, it, again, you're right. I think it's a it's a time to to put a stamp on the season. It's a, it's time for the for the Bills to have that moment where we get back on track, where you can kind of put your foot in the sand and be like, "This is kind of where things started to pick up again," as you were saying, right? Like Josh is back, slinging touchdowns, and, and you're right. Like I'm not. I think the Bills are nine point favorites, which is still seems crazy to me with how well the Lions are playing. The knowing that the Bills aren't at full strength. They had to go back and forth and they have all, you know, all these troubles. So obviously Vegas isn't bailing on the bills at this point. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where the money goes. Cause I feel like the lions on Thanksgiving, right. Everybody likes to to take the line. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, <laughs> if that line starts dropping, you know, maybe we're getting to minus eight or minus seven and a half by kickoff, but yeah, I I, I want to see the same things that you're talking about here. I, I want to see, I want to see someone step up outside of Stefan Diggs on offense. And I know Knox kind of did last game, but like let's see, let's see someone like put their foot in the ground and be like, I'm gonna be an option. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a problem, right? I'm gonna be someone that teams are gonna have to game plan for me. We thought it was Gabe Davis in the beginning of the season. He's taken a complete 180. I don't know if I'll be able able to trust him again with based on how he looks, but I, I need to see something out of somebody where we're not so one dimensional and and maybe hey let's get the run game going again and and keep the balance attack going. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out defensively. I think we're gonna have our hands full with this Lions team. They're kind of humming with two running backs that you got to worry about DeAndre Swift and um, who is it Williams Jamal Williams. Yeah, who's a touchdown machine. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I mean, and then what? They got St. Brown, who looks like... He's really good. He's a stud. And so, I mean, talk about receivers that we've had to deal with in the last couple of weeks. You go from 
Justin Jefferson to Amari Cooper to Amaran Amaran St. Brown or whatever. <laughs> um, that's a three-headed monster there. Who knows what Trey White's gonna play? I already saw today that it looks like we're not gonna have Edmonds, um, and we're not gonna have someone else. Forgot who someone else is, but it looks like Greg no Rousseau. Edmonds. Rousseau could potentially play. What about Oliver? Oliver got hurt on at the end of Sunday's game, didn't he? I think he just got the wind knocked out of him. I think he's all right. Oh, okay. But yeah, it, it's a it's time for the Bills to put their mark on the season, and I think it's pivotal that they do that this game because the next three, you got the Jet or the Patriots in New England, you got the Jets at home and the Dolphins at home. Yeah, that's and that's a that's a that's a control your own destiny right there. Because I mean, right now the Bills are not leading the AFC East; they're in fifth place in the playoffs, and if the See, the playoffs started today. They'd be going to Baltimore, which is absolutely probably the worst spot they'd want to be in right now and going into the playoffs. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm still of the mindset that you got to win this division, got to get at least one home playoff game, and it's right there for the taking. All you have to do is win. It's not like they need any help. So, it, it, to get the ship righted before we have to go play the Patriots in Foxborough, I know the Patriots' offense looks dismal, but that defense is no joke. And it's always the Patriots. You know, they're going to get up to play the Bills just like we did when we played them. Pivotal that they get the thing kind of turned around this week. Yeah. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, I forget, but I agree. I mean, yeah, this this is it right here. We got we to get rolling. We got to get – we got to hit it hard. We got to hit it hard and, and often and fast. And uh, <laughs> what do you – what? <laughs> hit it hard. Had to hit it often and fast. Yeah. Um. I. I just. I, I. had something to say and I forgot what it was. But. Um. Oh, score predictions. I guess we can go into on this game, and then we can move on to the Sabers. But I'll go score predictions. I'll go. Uh, yeah, like you I go said, first. Like I said, I don't know if maybe it's going to be necessary a blowout, but I do have that gut feeling it's going to be this this game where we we feel good. Oh, the, the what I was going to say is I wonder if um you you know you were talking about someone's got to step up here, I. Again, I wonder if Hines is going to be somehow implemented into this offense because I can see him kind of having a having a big game if we if we get him some looks, uh, in in this prime time slot on Thanksgiving. But anyway, I'll go for a score prediction. I'll go twenty eight Bills. I say we put up four touchdowns straight, no field goals, and I'll say seventeen Lions. Actually, I'm going to go twenty one Lions. I'm going to go. We're going to win by one touchdown. Just straight up touchdown game. Maybe the Lions go for it a few times where they could have kicked a field goal. We stop them, or they, you know, they end up getting it. I feel like the Lions are going to be in that position, right, where they're going to have to go for it to to feel like they have to keep up with the Bills, so they won't won't be wanting to settle for field goals. Um, so I'll go twenty eight twenty one Bills. I like that. Okay, I just wanted to follow up the other player that is a so McDermott said they are stretches to play this week are Edmonds and Epinesa. Oh, Epinesa that's right. They get hurt during the him. game. And then he said Rousseau, Morse, and Questenberry are considered limited. I didn't know Questenberry was was hurt or Morse, but they're all three of them are limited. So maybe looking like they're going to play. He's still not committing on Tredavious White. Leslie Frazier said, I think he's getting uh, real close today. He said that. So Okay. So yeah, maybe maybe I, I, we'll see Trey White. I, maybe we'll see Trey White. I just I just can't see them putting him in on a on a short week like this. I feel like they don't. They're so cautious with everything. I mean, even just just the fact that they're like 
I'm going back to it again, but like with Hines, right? Like them not like putting him into the offense so soon. It, it just shows how cautious that this coaching staff is with, with not just injuries, but just like with everything in this offense and the organization, defense, just anything is like they have to like work guys in like such a slow. Like it kind of honestly rattles me sometimes. And again, like they know Trey White's health better than I do, but like just a lot of the stuff is like they just like don't like change a lot of the time. They like they take forever to just like implement like new things. It's like. Oh, it just frustrates me sometimes. Yeah, but anyway, my prediction, I think it's going to be more high scoring than 28-21 with these these two teams here, given our decimated defense, the passing attack of the Lions, not scared of that Lions defense either. I think it's going to be Bills 34, Lions 24. Okay. Jerry Goff's still at the helm over there, right? He is. So... I don't know about that high flying offense. I know they were kind of buzzing early on, but I feel like they've cooled down a little bit. Um, all right, but anyway, that's that's uh, that's Bill's talk. Let's uh, let's move into the Sabers here. Uh, <laughs> talk about a team, man. That's just been struggling. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, Donnie Meatballs, and 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 before I get into it, I guess I'll just preface this by you know set this segment up here. We're moving to the Buffalo Sabers here. They have. Lost eight straight, I believe it is, or is it nine straight now? I don't know. It's either eight or nine straight. I think it's um, eight. Eight straight. Uh, you know, haven't they're they've stuck at seven wins. I don't think we've even gone to an overtime yet this season. The and and you speak about other teams, the Devils. I think have won ten in a row. Boston only has like two, three losses on the season still. That Eastern Conference is not getting any easier. Um, and it's just honestly been uninspiring watching this team the past couple past couple of weeks. It's it's one of those things where I know last week we said we were watching this team and they haven't been winning, but at the same time, we, we feel like we're still in a good spot. Me and you both said, you know, they have been winning, but I kind of still feel good about this team. This past week has kind of changed on that. The, the three, two, three games they played, it's, you know, they haven't been winning and it's not like I'm, I'm okay with it. I, it just, you can't lose eight in a row, eight, nine in a row and, and be okay with that as a fan right now. Um, so, so to me, a couple of main takeaways from the past couple of weeks, and the, and the main one being, Granado like has to do something. He he's got to get this team in line. I don't want to keep hearing about press conferences saying we're excited for the challenge of you know riding the ship. Um, I don't want to get into a place here where I'm starting to think about Granado and his sayings and his press conferences, like I did with Ralph Kruger and his, where we would just yeah. run him for making absolutely no sense. And, you know, Granado's favorite thing to say through his young career here as the Sabres coach is, you know, we're excited for the challenge that lays ahead of us. I don't know what that means anymore at this point. Granado needs to figure it out. He needs to get this team on the right track. He needs to get this locker room back together. And I'm, and I'm honestly putting a lot of blame of this on him, if I'm being honest here, because this is a young team. As the coach of a young team where the average age of your team is 25 years old, you have to figure out a way to not lose eight in a row. So, Granado, Matty Ellis, this coaching staff, Kevin Adams, the GM, figure it out, figure it out quick. I, I wasn't expecting to make the playoffs this year, but again, I cannot have a 10-game losing streak writing on me. Um, what was it a couple of years ago with Kruger? It was like a 17-game losing streak. Like, hey, you, you go a week or two more with this, we're right there at that same level. So yeah. like, so, so they need to figure it out. This coaching staff needs to figure it out. Um and I guess we just need to get healthy on the back end, but we're only really missing one guy in the back end. So this is the team you got. You got to figure out what you got. That That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. The secondary scoring has fell off a cliff too. I mean, outside of the Thompson line, nobody else is scoring goals. Yeah. Our play stinks. And, and even more specific on that. I mean, I guess talk's been picking it up a little bit, but like, it's almost like anybody outside of Thompson specifically 
hasn't been scoring. I mean, I know yeah. that Skinner and Tuck a little bit, but like, it seems like Thompson's the only one really doing anything out there and creating. Yeah, I mean, the Casey Middlestad experiment has got to has got to end sometime soon, or else we're just gonna we're gonna die with this guy. I mean, the t- the team is going to die with Casey Middlestad playing second line center because he's he stinks. He brings his line down. He's just not good. And you're expecting this guy to score 20, 25 goals when he's just not that type of player. And you're putting him with guys that aren't well-suited. I mean, him and Olofsson together is just a brutal combination. Do you agree with that? I, I think Olofsson yeah. stinks playing on his wing. It makes yeah, me well, hate I think, Olofsson. Well, I think that... Well, that line as a whole has been terrible. It's been Krebs, Olsen, and and Mills. I feel bad for Krebs because I think Krebs is but I but not, I don't, he's not but, a fit for that line. But but at the same time, look, okay, whatever, he's not a fit. Like, this is going back to Granado's got to mix it up and start scratching some guys. He's got to mix his lines up. It's it's gonna, gonna it's gonna he's gonna drive me crazy with these lines, and I'm a meatballs guy. And he's got to start scratching some guys that maybe he didn't think he was ever gonna scratch. Um, but 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 Krebs, look, that line hasn't been good. It hasn't been working. But to me, Krebs has also played with other guys this year so far. He's been a disappointment to me this year. I, yeah, I agree man. with you with Middlestat, and and I know Olsen. I honestly don't hate Olsen as much, but he hasn't – whatever, he is what he is. He scores sometimes. He scores. Krebs has regressed heavily so far, and, and that trade with Eichel obviously has been a big part of it. We we talked about when the trade happened. We're like, look, at Tuck's a great player, and Tuck's been good, and we know what we have with Tuck. Like, Krebs is kind of the key about this. Like, he was this 19th overall pick. He, he looks like he hasn't gotten bigger at all. He's, he gets knocked off the puck so easily. Like he's a guy that needs to step it up as well. And he hasn't seems like he's had a big regression, which is which is super concerning. He he's supposed to be a big part of the future of the Sabres team. Hundred percent. I think that line is is a big that whole line. But I I mean to me they're they're the third line, right? I think that the Cousins Paterka Quinn line. I'd like to see more offense generated out of them, but at least they're they're controlling the play a little bit. Getting pucks on net, you know, uh, they're at least a threat. But when when the middle set lines out there, it's it's liability city between the three of them, and and, and that's you just can't have that in the NHL. You can't have a line like that where they're just not going to generate offense and they're just going to get dominated on the defensive end. And yeah. so, yeah, what? no, sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, and I mean, I mean, I don't know. You got the Oposo and Gergensen's injuries now, right? So like those guys haven't been playing. Um, you, you've been having to play guys like Riley Sheehan, which is which has been a struggle. Um, and uh, it's but but at the same time, like I'm not putting this on injuries like you can't. This isn't still uh, an eight loss in a row team with the way that it's going. So um, something's got to change. Something's got to change quick. And um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, we were talking about the Sabres and, and I said the injuries with the post of Gergensen's. Um, but I don't, know, I don't know. Moving on. Did you have anything else to add before? There's some, there's a few other things I wanted to like touch on. I don't know if there's anything else like immediately that you wanted to hit on before we kind of move on to another topic. Uh, my biggest thing with them is, is regardless of line combinations, you know, who's playing where, who's playing with who, I think the team's lost a little bit of mojo and a little bit of toughness. Like they're not playing with that same intensity and in, in, in grit as they were in the beginning of the season. And yeah, I can I'm not that. asking them to fight. I'm not asking them to, you know, lay people out, but finish your checks and like stand up for each other and, and play with a little bit more intensity. It seems like they're kind of getting yeah. pushed around a little bit. And just just be, just be a team. This is what I think I've hinted on this at, at one point before. 
be a team that is annoying to play against, like for the opponent. Like be a team yeah. that's like you you don't want to go up against that you're you're like, oh, we gotta play this team tonight. I don't care how bad, how good you are, right? Like this is annoying, scrappy, in your face type team to play against, no matter how skilled, no matter how tough you are. You can you can do that. You can do that without having any skill or any really like quality as a player. You can go out there and just be like like just very annoying to play against. And they don't have as much of that jam, I agree, as they did at the beginning of the year where they were kind of, you know, you know, crowding the net, you know, crashing the hard the net hard at the, at the end of whistles and really getting in people's faces and just or just, just being like a finishing a check on the four check and stop doing these like skate buys. Yeah. Yeah, it's base it's basic stuff. I just feel like there's not as much grit and, and jam to the game as much. Um, and it, that's what's frustrating because that's the stuff that like Donnie would, would preach, right? Where I, I noticed an immediate change from Kruger to, to Donnie Meatballs at the end of the season when just based on like how they would play the game. Yeah. Like those little things, and I think we've lost that. And that's that's the most annoying point to me. Like if we're losing games playing that way, all right, it's one thing, but that because then then I think it's like you're it's a talent issue. I'm not ready to give up on the talent yet because I just think that we're just not playing the same brand of hockey. Yeah, it, it's frustrating. The, the other thing, speaking on Donnie, one more thing is like, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying about his his earlier comments. Like he, it's it's a good thing that he he always seems he, he's cool, collected, right? But but at the same time, I feel like he he sometimes has to like he, there's just no sense of urgency with him. Like like at one point, are you gonna be like, are you gonna step in and be like, all right, like listen, like. Boys, we gotta get together, and not like, hey, it's okay. Like we're a young team. This is just what happens. Like going through like different like things with the young teams. Like he sometimes I feel like doesn't have that sense of urgency where it's like, you just lost so many games in a row after starting out seven and three. Figure it yeah. out. Um, but anyway, moving on to a couple of the other things that I had in mind. One being the special teams. Special teams has been awful. Um, I think last game against the Leafs or the game before, I forgot which one it was. We had like seven power plays if not eight or nine like it was an absurd amount of power plays i think we scored on maybe two of them but we were 0 for 5 i remember before we scored on our sixth power play of the game the power play has been just something this year that i don't know how we haven't figured out we have so much skill darlene is such a skilled defenseman thompson has an unreal shot Skinner and Tuck like feel like they don't do anything out there on the power play except just whip the puck around randomly sometimes. And then the fifth guy is always a rotating guy, and depending on if it's not working or working, Olsen had a try there. Quinn was back in there after his injury. Cousins was the latest addition where he actually scored on the power play. Or I'm sorry, he had a shot that Tuck uh, tipped on the power play. But power play has been really bad. And then the penalty kill, we've given up, I believe, a stat that was read off at the uh, during the last game. I think we've given up a power play goal at least once in each of our last, like, six games. Like, we just can't kill a penalty anymore either. So, special teams have been awful. Um, and then and then I just want to talk about kind of goaltending, not saying it's an issue, but obviously Eric Comrie got hurt, something we should talk about. Uh, and then UPL got called up. Kind of my take during the, the preseason was that he was going to get called up regardless if it was an injury, something happened, whatever, and that he would become the starter. First game, they lose to the Toronto Maple Leafs by a lot, and I still think UPL played good. I don't know how much of that game you watched. I know I texted you and you didn't watch you know, the beginning of it. But if you watch that game, they scored th- the Toronto Maple Leafs scored three goals in the first g- period against UPL. The first one was a power play goal that was ricocheted off to Varys where like, no goaltender had a chance at it. The second one was the guy was left wide open in the slot. 
mind you, this is after the Maple Leafs have had probably six to seven point-blank chances in this game, including a breakaway, I think, twice in the first period that UPL stopped. And then the third one was like Tuck running into UPL on a back check on the, on the power play we were on, and somehow they called it a goal when the net was off. Um, and then later in the game, there's like two, I think there's like two or three, probably two goals that like he probably should have saved or, or like had a chance of saving. The other ones, the defense, and we called, and you know I'm not just backing UPL and this because before Comrie was hurt, I was saying the same thing about Comrie, about him being left out to dry. This defense, this team defense is still terrible. The 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 the, the amount of quality shots on net and odd man rushes, I feel like a broken record because we talk about this every week, but that the Sabres let up on a, on a gamely basis is insane. Martin mm-hmm. Broder, Dominic Hasek wouldn't be able to save 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 everything uh, on this team playing defense, especially with the level of skill that is now in the NHL and the amount of scoring that happens in the NHL. You have to help your goalie out. So I, I just had to hand on the, the goalie aspect of it. UPL, like you can't really fault him for that game yet. You have to give him some more time, especially with Anderson being old and him having looked the same. And now Comrie's going to be out for a few weeks, so they don't have any other options. Um but but nothing's going to change from a goaltending perspective unless the defense changes. Like the, the it's, it's insane how many quality chances are given up each game. Yeah, I don't think any of the goal goalies have played bad. Like it's 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 literally to me a non-factor whether Comrie's in, Anderson's in, UPL's in. Like I'm not I'm not pointing the finger at any of those guys. And the team defense has been abysmal. I think we I said it last podcast where. I, I, it seems like we're setting an NHL record on odd man rushes given up on a on a nightly basis, um, and you just can't you just can't win hockey games like that, especially when you're not scoring five goals. Yeah, I, I also wonder what the uh, I, I just handed out special teams on how we're not executing on our side of the puck on the special teams. I also feel like we give up a lot of we give up more chances when we're on the power play than get chances on the power play. Like we give up a lot oh, of it, and rushes on the power play as it's well. It's absolutely brutal how many times we turn the puck over high in the zone, and then it leads to a two and one the other way because Darling's the only one back, right? Like the yeah. Olafson's classic for throwing throwing across the ice that gets picked off two on one the other way. It's just it's the an absolute power, nightmare. The, honestly, the whole power play has been kind of classic for that. Like talk. Has done that. Skinner's done that. It's just it's it's been really tough to figure out a way to score on the power play, and 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 honestly, not just the score. only the only way we score on the power play is a as a Thompson slap shot. Pretty much, yeah. Well, there's no no traffic in front of the net. Terrible puck movement. It's basically just throwing it between the three guys between Thompson, Dahlin, and Olsen. You don't really move anybody around. You don't get the goalie moving. The only the only way you do is if. Darlene slides it over the Thompson and he just rips one. Like that's the oh. only way we score on the power play. Yeah. There's just no creativity to it. So I don't know like whose job that is on the power play standpoint from a coaching perspective, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, just... I, I think you got to switch up some personnel too. I, I Skinner's not a power play guy, right? Like uh, Olofsson. Yeah. He's, he, he's got a great shot, but I mean, he's, he's zero creativity in Olofsson. That's the one thing I think, you, you can you at least agree with me on that? Like he he's got a great shot, but the guy has no creativity. Yeah, well, I mean, I was just saying it when I was going on my rant about the power play. They they rotated. They have those four guys, and they they rotated that fifth guy in a bunch. It's been Quinn. It's been Olsen. The most recent addition to it, it's been Cousins. Um, it, it just seems like they're stuck with those four guys, and then they rotate that fifth guy in, and nothing's working. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's time to take Skinner off the power play, though. I mean, he's he's useless on the power play. He's not a power play guy. Yeah, I mean, they don't. You if if he is going to be on the power play, the thing is, 
is you have to use him in a specific way where they don't really use him. Like he he's kind of that floater and he plays the bumper position, but they don't go that they don't go to that at all. So it's like it, it, he's just a non-factor out there. And then when he does get the puck, when he retrieves it off a rebound or something, he's so like go lucky and shot happy that he'll just throw the puck away sometimes, as opposed to resetting up and and kind of re-getting you know grouping. Um, so yeah, it's like you have to use him in a specific way that, that they just don't really do. So it's like he when he's out there, it's just it's just useless. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm done. I'm down on the coaching staff right now. I, I really think this has a lot to do with not even a lot of the on ice necessary coaching. I think the the team, like you said, is playing with a lack of juice and jump and in the locker room. Like Granado Granado needs to grasp the locker room before he loses it, before it gets too far away from him. And before this thing goes down the wrong path, and I know maybe this is a little bit deeper and maybe a little bit more harsh than maybe fans are thinking right now, but guess what? Like, it all starts somewhere. It's like a snowball. You know, this is what happened with, you know, Eichel had that team when we were on a 10-game winning streak, and then guess what? It all snowballed at the end, and and we were out of the playoffs before you knew it. You got to grasp it before it gets too big and before everyone's coming to the rink super disinterested. When you have a young team especially, right, this is a team with an – this is a, a, a team that's the average of a 25. You have like five 20 year olds on a team playing for an organization that hasn't made the playoffs in 10 years. So that's easy for young minds to come to the rink and just be che- totally checked out. So before it gets too late, man, you gotta, you gotta write the ship if you're Granado. And, you well, and not even losing that. the locker room, but losing the fan base again. I mean, it finally feels like yeah. we're kind of picking up some momentum on people getting interested in the team again. And it already feels like people are checking out and it's yeah, not hopefully, even uh, yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're banking on the goat head here. We're banking on the goat <laughs> head and the Ryan Miller Jersey retirement night to, to really rejuvenate this fan base again. So I don't know. It's up to you, Don, whether you want those to be the deciding factors or if you want the team to come together and actually win some hockey games. Yeah. Cause there isn't an RJ night this year. Yeah. You don't have an RJ night unless, <laughs> unless, you know, maybe he makes a, a comeback. We're like, Hey, RJ, you got to make a drastic comeback for the boys because we got no <laughs> juice in the in the stadium. But it's up to the go-ahead and, and, the, and the Ryan Miller jersey retirement is what I'm thinking. Uh, but I don't know. I got nothing let's else. Let's win to a say, freaking man. hockey game. They do play tonight, as you guys are listening to this on Tuesday. Uh, who do they play tonight? I think Montreal. Play, uh, yeah, Montreal. So it's a winnable game. And then they play St. Louis on Wednesday, who I think I – Pretty sure he's been like atrocious this year. And then on Friday, you play the red hot New Jersey Devils. <laughs> and you play Tampa Bay as well coming up next week. But I'm not even gonna answer you're gonna ask me how many points do you need. I'm not even gonna answer that because I've said what, like four out of six, I think, for the last two weeks in a row, and they've gotten zero. So let's start <laughs> yeah. with two on yeah. Tuesday. Let's start with the game by game here. But yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in, listening in. Uh, go Bills, go Sabres, as always. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, have a great holiday. Hopefully we watch a Bills win on that Thanksgiving day, and um, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.